What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. How do you feel about orgasms? Have you ever experienced one that went far beyond fun or pleasure or release or struggled to have one in the first place? If your answers are yes or yes, you are far from alone. Phone sex operator Amberly Rothfield had just gone through a several-month sex hiatus when she experienced an orgasm that changed her life. Author Dr. Samantha Allen had started to think orgasms were no longer a part of her life when two years after sex reassignment surgery, she was surprised by one. And therapist Vanessa Marin had her first orgasm on the playground as a child, only to struggle in the climax department years later. I'm excited and honestly honored to share these awesome women's stories today, all of which show that we can discover new types of pleasure at any stage of life. The folks at the Pleasure Chest believe that too. To explore their Kinktober sex toy specials, you can kick up your kink, cosplay, and roleplay fun with their best-selling BDSM and Rough Sex Selects all month long. Whether you are looking for a new toy for your solo play practice or an accessory to enhance sex with a partner, head to thepleasurechest.com to start shopping. Now, Amberly's story. Amberly Rothfield is a top-performing phone sex operator, clip creator, and webcam model who teaches models how to increase their bottom line online. She's also a devoted wife and mother, whose partner came out as trans a couple of years ago. So I was literally, physically, about five feet that way, Um, (laughs) like in this room. And it was a year, not a year after my wife came out, but a year after she had been on hormones, so her body is honestly five bazillion times different than it was before. I did not realize the drastic changes that just some chemicals make in what she would look like. And I'm not gonna lie, like I I was never going to leave my wife ever. But you have concerns about what's gonna change. And how are you going to adapt with that change? And as a partner of someone who came out as trans, like my inclination is to make it all about her because she's the one that's lived this life. Like, and you've met my wife, like before her transition, very like full beard, like manly, man, man, man. Like it, it was so, it's been so drastic. So Um, I want to make it all about her, but at the same time, you have your own concerns too. But at the time, I wasn't 
thinking i was actively trying not to think about it because i'm like i'm being selfish i haven't lived a life where i felt like i was in the wrong body or whatever so um it's about a year after and honestly we had probably gone get super personal here a few months without having any kind of sexual encounters and it's 300 percent my fault like not 100 300 percent i was actively avoiding it because i was like this now that like the most significant changes have happened. I don't know how I feel about this. And then I was like, what a lover. And like, there's things that we both need. So mood was right. It was Shabbat. We were drunk off of, you know, sacramental wine. <laughs> and I was like, screw it. No, I'm not going to avoid it this time. Let's go for it. I, I, I remember during the orgasm moment thinking, uh, well, rather, maybe not the exact moment, but leading up to it, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels the same. It feels like it's it's just my partner, and it's amazing. And then I had, actually, I had a way better orgasm than I've ever had. I'm not a lot. That could be attributed to just going months without. Who knows? <laughs> little extra anticipation. Right? Yeah, some right? buildup. You know, Betty Dodson, yeah. mother of masturbation. Mm-hmm. She talks about blue balls and blue clits. Blue clits. Like there can be a buildup. Exactly. Yeah. It could be like a massive blue clit situation going on. But I also like to believe that it wasn't 100% blue clits. I'm not going to lie. I like a good pair of boobs. I had boobs in my face and I'm getting to touch her body's more curvaceous than it once was. So I'm getting to feel these curves that weren't there before. And it was a really great new sensation. And Right as I'm coming down from the climax, I remember thinking that was like the best orgasm of my life. It was like having the first orgasm ever. And then I thought about it. I was like, it kind of, it's the first orgasm with my new, air quotes, um, my new partner. Since then, we've had no issues. And it was really cool having this experience with, for the first time, with someone who, A, is trans. I've never been with a trans person before. B it was really cool, this dichotomy of being with my partner, but also her new body. So anywho, Mm -hmm. I loved it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. (laughs) How did that impact your sense of sexuality moving forward or, or maybe your relationship to orgasms? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I like to say we all think we're progressive till we're like face to face with an issue we've never had to deal with before. And it really made me think about it. Until then, I, I like to tell people I'm lesbian. When my wife came out as trans, it was like the best moment of my life. Because I was like, oh, I don't have this identity crisis anymore. Life makes sense. She was a woman. But I've also never been with a trans woman before. So I'm not going to lie. I think the resistance of me not wanting to sleep with her was because now you're very obviously... Ooh, I don't like I don't like saying that, but like in my head, it was more trans. I don't like that, but like it, it was there. And having to confront that, it's made it to where no, like I actually do enjoy way more trans porn than I had before. And it wasn't just a oh, those are pretty bodies. This was like this is super fucking sexy. I know how that feels now. It gave me that sense of empathy and sympathy that I didn't have. So now, like. I like to say my orgasms are more rich now that like I'm not as inhibited. I'm not coming up to this moment where I'm like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be good? Is it? Because prior to that, before like we went on that 
three month hiatus there was a lot of is it gonna be good i don't know like this i've never done this before and i was very tense i was very like not being in the moment so i didn't get that enjoyment it sounds like this experience and also your approach and the mindset and your relationship really helped broaden your eroticism it did i had chills listening to that Oh, thank you. It did. It, it made me confront some stuff inside of me that I didn't even know I had. Thank goodness. Slayed. Dead. The beast will never rise again. I think especially because I grew up in Dallas, Texas, where it was very, 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 very conservative. And, and being lesbian, like liking women in that sense, I still, even though I was lesbian, had some sort of heteronormative thing going on in my head and it was being forced to be confronted with that in a physical form because it's one thing to watch it again online even to get off even to masturbate with this stuff online but it's another thing to have it in front of you and it really did change not just my way of thinking but also made it to where I can relax and enjoy this rather than having my East Texas upbringing clicking in my head telling me this is wrong this is wrong. Yeah, yeah. It won't feel good, I promise, because it's wrong. It's so easy to absorb those messages and not know that we have them. Not know, because I think we all absorb every kind of, you know, transphobia, biphobia, misogyny, racism. Like, it's in all of us in some ways. We're sponges. We are sponges. And you had a sponge released, it sounds like. It was able to help you heal this, this piece you which is beautiful it did it was it was a clorox moment where you just sanitize that sponge it was great (laughs) that's really lovely have you had conversations with your partner about all of this i did we had a pillow talk moment um afterwards where like i told her why we had gone three months before and i told her about my east texas because it happened so fast Not that I like to quote him, but Dr. Phil was saying that you think stuff 6,000 times faster than you can say it. So you can have a lot of thoughts go through your head faster than you could ever articulate them. And so I was telling her what was going through my head in that moment. And she was like, wow, you've been in the adult industry for 15 years and you still got a hint of that in you. And I was like, sorry. But I told her that it was like the best orgasm of my life. And for her, she was like, that's exceptionally validating that you have been sleeping with me before I came out as trans, before I even knew what trans was or what I was. And for you to follow me through this process and then sleep with me after and be like, it's even better. She was like, I feel like a woman. And I'm like, that's the goal. To not just have a, a good time myself obviously but also to make her feel like the person she's supposed to be next samantha's story samantha allen is the author of real queer america lgbt stories from red states it's an award-winning travelogue that the New York Times Book Review called A Powerful Book of Memoir and Reportage. Samantha's debut book, Love and Estrogen, tells the story of meeting her wife in a Kinsey Institute elevator 
a real-life queer rom-com. I reached out to Samantha after reading an article she wrote for Splinter called How I Learned to Orgasm After Sex Reassignment Surgery. So you shared that writing this article a few years ago felt pretty vulnerable. What inspired you to go for it? Before I had the surgery, I was trying to find like really good information about, you know, like orgasm rate after the surgery or like how long it was taking people. The sources I was finding weren't that reliable or it was pointing me to medical articles that a lay person might not be able to parse. When I had the surgery, I, I was sitting with this experience for two years, talking about it with other transgender women, kind of in like back channels, you know, it's something we would whisper about or email to each other about. And I guess I just wanted to put something out there as intimate as it was that would help other people who are going through the same experience. When you went in to start the process, did you talk to your doctor about it? Did your doctor bring it up at all? You know, like when you do look at the medical literature, it's a pretty safe bet that you'll be able to orgasm again, you know, like rates of orgasm after a vaginoplasty are like very high. So I don't think my doctor was worried about it, but it was certainly something that patients or a lot of transgender women worry about who have the surgery. Conversations I was having with my partner too, of like, what's, what are things going to look like after this? Like how easy or hard are things going to be? Just a lot of questions swirling in your head that you just kind of have to figure the answers out to firsthand. You can read all of that literature, but nothing really fully prepares you for the experience of like relearning your own anatomy when you're an adult. Yeah, completely. I loved your opening or it was near the beginning. You said, my vagina came with an instruction manual. What was your impression when you were going through your, your instructions? Gosh, I mean, most of it was like aftercare instructions, stuff about like when you should go swimming or sit in a hot tub again, like there's regulations around how long you should wait to be immersed in water, but also stuff about how like your nerves are like literally coming back online and that you should be patient with yourself. There may have been something in there that was like, it takes people sometimes eight to 12 months to like figure out how to really have an orgasm again, like, and that's fine. That was comforting to read. But then, you know, I got to 24 months and I was like, okay, what is going on? Your frustration that you talked about was, I thought, a really important piece, as you pointed out and shared research findings about. It's a challenge for a lot of people to experience orgasm for people who have, have vulvas because we don't learn much and, and all of those things. When you were talking about the frustration, you said that at a certain point, you found out that there's a term, anorgasmia. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I speak only for myself, but like being able to have an orgasm wasn't a, like a necessary precondition for me to have the surgery. Like my gender dysphoria was such that it needed to happen. And I was willing to accept some amount of risk that I would be anorgasmic, right? But it was comforting to know that it's a struggle that many transgender and cisgender women have in common. Figuring out orgasm is tricky. Not everyone gets there. Not everyone gets there easily. And, and that's okay. It's normal. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then it happened for you and it came as a surprise. I just got chills because I just read your article again. There's just like this beautiful excitement of this surprise. Tell us about when it happened. It's sort of a watched pot never boils kind of scenario. Because like after about a year, I got into this frustrating headspace. It's not a really arousing thought to think like I'm never going to have an orgasm again. And you get in your own head. You want it to happen, but you're also trying not to think about it happening so that it can happen and your brain just becomes this pretzel. So for me, it was almost like giving up on it that like freed it to happen, you know, and I gave up on it as the end point of the time that I spent with myself. And after I stopped thinking about it as this teleological endpoint that I was trying to get to, spending time with myself and my vibrator, it just kind of happened and it took me completely by surprise when it did. experiencing orgasm prior to your surgery and after and the differences. And you said that you prefer what you can experience now. Would you share a thought about that? Why you prefer the way you feel when you orgasm now, having had the surgery? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Eve Emsler added a monologue to the vagina monologues to be inclusive of transgender women who've had this surgery. And I think she described it really well of like orgasm before feels very sudden and harsh. And then afterward, it's more like kind of like rolling waves of pleasure. To be honest, like orgasm before, it kind of feels a little bit like dying sudden. And it's just like, boom, you just jump off a cliff and it's over, you know? And now it's more of these kind of like cascading waves of pleasure that kind of like roll through you. And it's, It just feels like, I don't know, a a gentler, but still as intense experience, if that makes sense. So you have this ritual. At the time, you said that you... So this was in 2016 when the article came out. You said, now when I want to orgasm, I have a routine that borders on superstition. Like you wanted to kind of protect it. Would you speak to that? And then also I'm curious if that has stayed a part of your life these last few years. Yeah. After it first happened, I was like, okay, I need to exactly replicate these conditions. What was the thermostat set to? What curtains were drawn? An insane level of detail. I don't have exact specifications anymore. I feel like it helps to have some kind of ritual going into it because it helps me feel confident. Like this happened before, it can happen again. Thankfully, by now, gosh, it's been six years since I had the surgery. It's become for me a fairly automatic expectation. As I was reading your your article, something that kept coming up for me was how very parallel your experience in so many ways to cisgender women who struggle with orgasm or who are like, I don't understand my anatomy, obviously very different in some ways too. I'm curious if, if you had had really comprehensive sex ed, which 
I'm guessing you didn't have since most of us did not have anything close to comprehensive. And especially if you're not cisgender or if you're queer or anything that's not binary, it's especially confusing in sex ed and too brief and misleading. Do you feel like if you had better sex ed, you would have had better understanding? Like if they talked about pleasure and you had some sense about, okay, so if you have a vagina and a vulva and a clitoris. I think more comprehensive sex ed in this country would definitely help. My sex education was mostly focused on abstinence and like pregnancy prevention and anatomical stuff that had nothing to do with sex or sexual pleasure. So, you know, coming from this on the flip side of like before I even transitioned and I was dating mostly women, like you have to learn how pleasure works firsthand through experience, through talking to partners, being like what feels good and what you've seen depicted of sex in the media is so much different from what it looks like in a bedroom in the process of negotiating that pleasure and being sure everyone comes out of the experience pleased is is something I think a lot of people learn the hard way in their like, you know, late teens and early twenties. It would have meant a world of difference. Even just the information of like your your body can experience pleasure and that's like part of sex, that it's not just all doom and gloom about not catching diseases or getting pregnant. You pointed out several really important myths about sex and orgasm after surgery. What is like the biggest myth that bothers you that you'd like to debunk for a cisgender person who's heard a lot of transphobic things and they just don't know better yet? Sometimes people are of this mindset that like men and women aren't different genders, but like different species almost like men and women's bodies are just complete aliens and that have like diverged in some huge dramatic way. When you go through an experience like sex reassignment surgery, you realize that's not the case. You know, there's this misconception of, oh, you're just like chopping the penis off and that's what sex reassignment surgery is. And it's like, no, you're using tissue that could have easily developed into a vagina and reshaping it in that form. It's more reuse, reduce, recycle than it is like chopping anything off, right? You know, we all start out at the same place in fetal development. We all start from one thing and we can go in these different directions and things like transgender hormone therapy and surgeries are about kind of bringing your body into alignment with the direction your heart went. I think that's the number one message I try to get out there is because people think, oh, like women and men are like the aliens compared to each other. It's like, no, the body is pretty similar. <laughs> And what does orgasm mean to you now, just in general? Uh, gosh, I wish I had a deep answer, but it's just like, it's a little treat, you know? It's nice to have to stay sane and feel grounded and, and feel relaxed. But I think one lesson I took from that is it's still not necessary for me to enjoy my time in the bedroom. I, and I think a lot of women can relate to this. It's still much easier for me to orgasm alone than it is with a partner. So for me, it's nice if it happens with my partner, but it's not like the goal of spending intimate time. That's, I think, a healthy lesson that I took from the experience of having that two-year 
waiting period. Because I feel like if I hadn't had that, I would have just continued maybe approaching sex as like a means to having an orgasm and not necessarily as a means to deepening my connection. Now, Vanessa's story and her expert advice for anyone feeling challenged by the pursuit of orgasms. Vanessa Marin is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy and online programs that help you transform your sex life. Long before her career started, she had her first orgasm. And at the time, she wasn't sure what happened. Yeah, I was in elementary school and just climbing the jungle gym, you know, having fun at recess. And all of a sudden, the jungle gym was feeling really good. (laughs) And it really caught me off guard. You know, I had no idea what it was that was happening. It got a little scared too. Like, did I hurt myself in some way? Is something broken? (laughs) But also just noticing like, whoa, that felt really enjoyable. And so, yeah, I had no idea what it was at the time. And I didn't really think about it until years and years later when I started intentionally trying to have orgasms. You know, at that point when I realized, oh, that's what was happening, I felt super embarrassed about it and kind of ashamed. And I realized now as I've gone on to do this work and help teach so many women how to orgasm that actually so many women have had experiences of that's their first orgasm. It was unintentional. It was something involving like jungle gym or ropes and stuff like that. And so now I I really like talking about the story because I think it's just so important to normalize that so many women have orgasms this way and there's nothing bad or wrong or icky about it. It's totally normal and very, very common. She told me that helping others learn how to have an orgasm became a passion and focus within her work when she started struggling to experience them with a partner. She had figured out how to intentionally orgasm on her own, and that was great. But she had difficulty translating that to climaxing during partnered sex. And it was even, you know, as I was going through training to become a sex therapist, (laughs) I'm still struggling with it. And so there was this added layer of imposter syndrome on top of all of it. You know, how can I not figure this out? And so I really experienced so many of the emotions that the women that I now work with experience, like feeling like something's wrong with you, you're broken in some way, the stuff that's supposed to work, you know, for every other woman out there doesn't work for you. And so honestly, yeah, it really came back to just being able to have this really deep understanding of what it's like to struggle with orgasm. And once I did figure it out for myself, realizing like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting to go through this process of exploring your orgasm and discovering what your body needs and being willing to advocate for yourself and your own pleasure. So it's, you know, I wanted to be able to share that experience with women too. So it's kind of being able to relate on both sides. I get the pain and frustration and fear of not being able to, and I know how amazing it is to get to the other side. And I want women to be able to experience that too. Vanessa told me that if you are really struggling in the big O department, the first best step is to know that you are not alone and that there is nothing wrong with you. So many people have difficulties inviting an orgasm, especially people with vulvas. And I can say this from personal experience too. I truly felt like I'm the only woman in the world who has not figured this out. And every woman that I've worked with has said some variation of that. Like, I really must be the only person. Something is horribly wrong with me. So it sounds very simple, but really just starting with that understanding of nothing is wrong with you. 
Secondly, Vanessa pointed out that orgasm is a skill and one that can take time, patience, and more understanding to get a grasp on. It's something you can learn how to do and that will go smoother if you ease up on yourself. In terms of actionable steps you can take, Vanessa said it's all about self-exploration, summed up in one word. Masturbation is the absolute best way to just explore your body, get a sense of what does my body respond to, what does it not respond to, um, and really playing around with lots of different kinds of stimulation is the best way to get there. But what if you have mastered solo play orgasms, but you aren't experiencing the ones you would like to during partnered sex? This week's listener question on this topic came from someone we will call Liz. She wrote this. I've been on a sexual self-journey loosely for my six years of being sexually active with my husband, but mostly in the last two years or so. I've been unable to orgasm until recently. I identify so strongly with many of your guests who have never had an orgasm or have low libido, etc. I was listening to sexual healing and stronger orgasms today, and I identify so much with Eve that I wondered if I submitted a cue under a different name. I wish we could be friends, actually. A month ago, I had my first orgasm, clitorally, with a vibrator while I listened to a sexy passage from an audiobook I recorded for this exact purpose. I have them weekly now, and it's great. A little buildup, a nice release. But I want and need and deserve more. Haven't incorporated this with my husband yet, and I just don't know how, and it feels so weird. What should I do? Liz, I hope Eve is listening to this, and if she reaches out, I will totally put you two in touch. I'm so grateful that the show has resonated with you, and oh my goodness, so exciting about your first orgasm and that you're now able to enjoy those regularly. It's so great. If I were you, I would absolutely bring that vibrator into sex with your husband, talk to him about it first, and just say, hey, I've been having this fantasy about playing with this toy with you, or masturbating together, what do you think? I think that would be a really great way to to do this together. I don't know if you've had conversations with him about, you know, your challenges with orgasm or not, but I also think that could really help. I bet he would be, if he doesn't know already, completely stoked that you have learned this, that you have found a way to experience that pleasure. And I imagine he would have a blast using the vibrator on you. So maybe a little demonstration, a little play. I am so hopeful for you both. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say. Liz, your question dovetails perfectly with the question I answered just last week about sexy ways to introduce a sex toy. So make sure to go back and listen. First of all, I just want to say you've only just begun to explore, and I am thrilled for you because there's so much you haven't yet tried. And I completely understand that it feels weird even talking about having sex conversations and what might please you in bed with your husband, much less the idea of using a vibrator together. And I just sort of want to say, of course it would. It makes complete sense because anytime we're doing something new, it's out of our comfort zone. And sometimes when we're trying things new sexually, it can be like way out of our comfort zone. I say it's not uncommon to feel excite-terrified, that you can have sort of a mix of really intense feelings at the same time. And again, when you're exploring new turn-ons, you know, it's not uncommon to be excite-terrified. So I just want to say kudos to you for seeking and researching ways to own your own pleasure. 
And it sounds like your first orgasm was sort of a happy little accident of what sex therapists often recommend, which is combining your own mental turn-ons, thrilled that you made your own sexy recording, with the intense physical sensation of a vibrator. A vibrator, like all sex toys, are really about enhancing pleasure for both partners. There's so many you haven't even explored. This is what the conversation is going to be about. The ones for him, the ones for you, the ones that are couple sex toys, which are really fantastic, as well as there's a lot new great sex tech. I think it's really about getting the ball rolling in that conversation and normalizing the fact that when it comes to sex, even though we hear about it everywhere, having these frank and open conversations with our intimate partners is often challenging and hard. Often we imagine and fear the worst, and yet when we introduce it, it's not uncommon. Our partner has been thinking similar things and just equally didn't know how to bring it up. And as I always say, generally, it's never uncomfortable as you imagine. These conversations, the difficult ones, almost always go much better than we expect. To introduce it, sometimes it's easier to point to something external to you. So I often say, you know, I read in Cosmo or Men's Health about new ways to increase pleasure in the bedroom. And I'd love for you to read it, and I can't wait to discuss. And so what's awesome about this is it gives you an opportunity to introduce both toys or lingerie, role play, tantra. When you're reading or researching or discovering new ways to bring pleasure into the bedroom, sort of have a list of yes, no, and not for now, or my traffic light system, the red light, yellow light, green light, and then always playing in the yellow because that's where the growth is when you're exploring and learning new turn-ons. Revisit them every sort of three to six months because it's not uncommon the longer you're in a relationship, perhaps the more safety you feel or the more you've together, you know, expanded repertoire and see how much fun and play that adds to the bedroom. And I can assure you that this one suggestion about the yes, no, and not for now list and revisiting it is a great way to be expanding that sexual menu and always having more tools in our toolbox for both play and pleasure. Yes, I love that. Also important. Vanessa shared thoughts on this topic too. Oh yeah, I definitely get this question because <laughs> um, I've been there myself. So really, you know, what it came down to for me was I was realizing that I was putting so much pressure on myself to orgasm from the things that brought my partner pleasure rather than bringing into that experience, like what is it that brings me pleasure? What do I enjoy? Women who sleep with men really tend to emphasize male pleasure. If it's something that works for the man, then it should work for the woman. Um, and so really being able to recognize I deserve to have just as much pleasure and enjoyment as my partner in this experience and being willing to share with your partner, these are the things that bring me pleasure. So you can do that by just talking about it, by saying, you know, hey, when I'm on my own, this is what my body really responds to. You can show it to your partner, even masturbate in front of them. That can be a super sexy experience to share with your partner kind of coach them through it maybe they put their hand over yours and they get a sense of how you're moving or if you use a toy you know anything like that but really being willing to share whatever it is that you've learned on your own with your partner if you would like to learn more from vanessa on attracting your first orgasm she has a course that can help, especially if you have Googled your heart out and none of the tips or tricks have worked. And while orgasm is the main focus of the course, you can expect to gain a whole lot more. 
Yeah, so I have a course called Finishing School, which is all about teaching you everything you need, a specific step-by-step -step process for learning how to orgasm. And again, like going back to my own experience, when I was trying to learn how to orgasm, I read all those articles online that are just saying things like, oh, just relax and just let it happen. Stop thinking about it. And that advice always drove me nuts because I tried all of that and it never worked. So once I finally did figure it out for myself, I said, okay, I want to do the exact opposite of everything I've ever read, I want to come up with a specific step-by-step -step process of this is what you need to do now, and then you do this, and then you do this. So it's a very comprehensive course that really leads you through the whole process. And I will give you kind of a little like teaser of it. Like it, it is about learning how to orgasm, but what I've learned is that the process of learning how to orgasm is really about so much more too. It ties into, you know, our feelings about sex in general, like shame and embarrassment that can come up, our feelings about our bodies, our ability to communicate, a sense of playfulness and exploration in the bedroom, intimacy and connection with a partner. So it really just loops in all of these other really beautiful, powerful lessons too. So it's like, you'll get the nitty gritty of exactly what you need to do to have the orgasms, but it also just invites you to take this really beautiful journey of exploring your sexuality and like coming home to yourself in a sense. Learn more about all of today's guests and their offerings at the links down in the show notes. To receive Clitoral Play 7 Techniques for Mind-Blowing Pleasure and Occasional Hot Sex Tips from Dr. Megan, text the word DESIRE to 66866. That's DESIRE to 66866. If you have a question or topic that you would like explored on the show, please reach out to me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would so love it if you would share links with your friends and post a rating or review. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. <laughs>